Welcome to Season 6 of the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. This season of the podcast is devoted to the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus teaches His people about life in the Kingdom of God. Now remember last week I told you there's two kinds of shadow laws. There's the civil code, and then there's also the ceremonial code, the the whole sacrificial system. That whole system, all the rituals and the ceremonies and the temple worship regulations, everything that had to do with worship in the temple, the clean and unclean rules, the priesthood, the furniture in the temple, all of that. We'll call that the ceremonial law. How did Jesus fulfill that? Well, again, if we want to know how he fulfilled it, we need to know what was the purpose. What was the purpose? The purpose was to give the people a way to approach God and to draw near to God while still understanding the fact that their sin separates them from God and makes God unapproachable. God wanted the people to understand that, and yet he still also wanted them to be able to approach. And so he came up with a system that enabled that, that they could actually approach him in worship and still understand that the wages of sin is death and separation from God. When they saw that animal die on the altar, It was an illustration of their guilt. And and following God's prescriptions in temple worship enabled them to approach God in spite of their guilt. Sacrificial system goes way back. It's it's all the way back to Cain and Abel. Uh, Abel offered a sacrifice to God and God accepted it. Cain offered a sacrifice to God and God rejected it. So right out of the hatch, right from the start, there is a sacrificial system in which One can only approach God on the basis of a sacrifice. And that sacrifice has to be acceptable to God. Not just any sacrifice will do. Now later on, the sacrificial system became very elaborate and with just unending symbolism. But the foundational basis remained the same. You cannot approach God without a sacrifice. And that sacrifice has to be offered in a way that demonstrates love and faith. Faith in God. The next major development in that system was the Passover, the book of Exodus. And again, you could easily have a long series of sermons on the symbolism in the Passover, uh, but just for the sake of time, I'll just give you the bottom line. The Jews were in captivity as slaves in Egypt, and Passover was the night that God rescued them from that slavery. He rescued them through an act of judgment on Egypt. The angel of death came and killed the firstborn in every household. Every household, except the Jews were exempted from that judgment if they slaughtered a spotless, unblemished lamb that was in the prime of life and took the blood from that lamb and put it on the doorpost outside their house. When the angel of death saw that blood, he would pass right over the top of that house and move to the next one and not not hurt anybody in that house. That's literally where they get the word pass over. Blood was very important because it symbolized death. Somebody dying in your place. God wanted each person to understand that it was it was a guilt of sin that alienates us and separates us from God. And so the only way we can ever approach Him and draw near to Him is if the death sentence that our sin deserves is carried out. And to symbolize that, an innocent lamb had to die as a picture that the death sentence that we deserve cannot be commuted. It cannot be ignored. It can't just be set aside. It has to be paid. 
But it wasn't paid by those lambs. It wasn't actually paid by the lambs. Not one single one of those millions of lambs and cattle that were sacrificed in Old Testament times ever paid, actually paid, for one single sin. Never. Hebrews 10.4, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. You can't pay for a human sin with an animal. Only Jesus' sacrifice of his own life on the cross could actually take away sins. All the sacrifices that were in the Old Testament times were symbolic. They were symbols. Did God forgive the people in Old Testament times based on those sacrifices? Yeah, he did. He did. He forgave their sins because of the sacrifice. But only because he knew that he was planning on eventually actually paying for the sins through the life of his own son on the cross. Did the people back then know about Jesus dying on the cross? No, they didn't know that. But Jesus, or God, the Father knew that, and so he could be just. But until then, he seemed to be unjust. I mean, forgiving people's sins because animals die, that doesn't seem just. Romans 3.25, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice, and he did this to demonstrate his justice, because in his restraint... He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. I mean, those lambs were not absorbing the whole punishment of those sins. And so basically, all the sins of the Old Testament times were unpunished. All of them. That didn't punish any of them. And so he seemed to be unjust. He seemed to be too merciful and too much restraint. But then it all made sense. Once Jesus died on the cross, we could all see, oh yes, all sins of all time were paid for. It was a delay of justice, not a violation of justice. So the animal sacrifices and that whole system of temple worship were pictures and illustrations and shadows that teach us things about Jesus' death on the cross. All of it teaches us that. They, and for that reason, they are of supreme value to us. The Old Testament sacrificial laws, supremely valued because they teach us about what Jesus did on the cross. Are they abolished? No, the principles taught by those things are just as true today as they ever were. However, they are of zero value in and of themselves. If they're not pointing forward to something to illustrate the meaning of the cross, they have no value at all in themselves. And so once Jesus died on the cross, there's absolutely no purpose in doing them anymore. You don't need them anymore. If, if, we're to, if we were to abandon Christ and abandon Christianity and try and save ourselves by those pictures and all those symbols... It would be absolute waste of time because those things have no power in and of themselves to take care of the problem of sin. Their only value isn't in what they point to. And if you take that away, they have no value. So how did Jesus fulfill the ceremonial aspects of the law, sacrificial system? He fulfilled it by being the reality that they were designed to point to and to illustrate. Jesus fulfilled them by being a perfect, perfectly sinless Lamb of God who died a bloody death in the prime of life on the cross to pay the death penalty for our sin in our place. And now we can draw near to God on that basis, the basis of that sacrifice. We don't need a temple anymore. We don't have to rebuild that temple. We've got the real temple, the, the real holy place, the real dwelling place of God through which we can draw near to God as the church, temple of the Holy Spirit. So when Hebrews 7, 18, 19 says, the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, we can understand. You say, how do you harmonize that with Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law? Well, we, we, all we need to do is understand it, is, is that 
What he calls the former regulation that was set aside in this verse is referring specifically to the ceremonial law. It is now weak and useless. Not because Jesus abolished it, because, but, but because Jesus fulfilled it. So we don't need it anymore. He fulfilled it in such a way that to show that to continue to carry out those procedures now would actually dishonor Christ. Because that would be to ignore the reality in favor of the picture. It would be to disregard Jesus' fulfillment. Colossians 2.17, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Once you have the reality, there's something wrong with you if you continue to focus on the shadow. And that's easy to understand. I mean, suppose my wife has been gone for a long time. She goes away on a long trip. She's gone for a long time. And I'm counting the days until she gets back, and I don't know when exactly it's going to be. And then, and one day, she's scheduled to get back or whatever, and I'm, it's a nice, warm, sunny day, and I'm out in the driveway working on my car. And I'm sitting there working on the thing, and all of a sudden, uh, I notice some out of my peripheral vision, a little bit of movement, and I look over, I glance, and I see right away that it's a shadow. Someone is approaching me from behind. And I can instantly tell from the looks of that shadow, it's Tracy. Now, is it a good thing for me to be excited about that? Well, yeah. But what if I never actually allow the shadow to turn my attention to Tracy herself. What if I never turn around? I never even acknowledge her presence and, and just keep my back to her and start kissing the shadow and trying to embrace the shadow. And I get all enamored with the shadow and pay no attention to her. Well, then she says, I've stayed along way too long. My husband has flipped out. He's lost it. I mean, it's great to be excited by the shadow until the moment comes when she's actually right there, and then I should have the shadow turn my attention to her and actually see her and embrace her. That's why we don't offer sacrifices anymore. That's why we don't follow the feasts. It's why we don't do the tithe rules anymore, or the dietary laws, or the Sabbath day restrictions, or any other shadow law. Those, those things had a purpose. They were pointing to something. And while they were doing that, they were, it was appropriate to be committed to them. I mean, it was important to be committed to them. The Maccabees were willing to be tortured and killed rather than eat a piece of pork. And that was appropriate. They're praised for that in Hebrews 11. That's good. But now the reality is here. And, and, and we don't need to be enamored with the shadows anymore. We focus on the reality. And so Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial law by dying as the ultimate final sacrifice, bringing the whole sacrificial system to an end because once the reality arrives, we don't need the picture and the shadow. Jesus fulfilled the, serum, the civil law by bringing Jew and Gentile together in the church and by bringing about the spiritual separation of holiness that the civil code was meant to picture. And he fulfilled this part, the ceremonial law, by being the ultimate sacrifice. Thank you for listening. We pray that in this series, your life will be transformed by the soaring ethics, deep insights, and glorious promises of the Sermon on the Mount. We are crowdfunded ministry, so if you would like this podcast to continue, please consider supporting us with a tax-deductible gift. Just go to treasuringgod.com and click on Give. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.